Hello everybody and welcome back to Football in a Nutshell. Now this is the podcast that everyone wants to make. Every 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 football fan wants to make this podcast. The moment where their team is officially the best team in the world. And that is what happened last night for Chelsea Football Club. We won the Champions League in emphatic fashion against Porto. Uh, sorry, in Porto against Manchester City. It was... Honestly, one of the greatest games I've ever watched as a Chelsea fan. It, it I mean, it was fantastic. The, the way we played, it was unbelievable. First time in nine years we won the Champions League. Now we now have two. We're only one behind Manchester United in all-time Champions Leagues. Obviously, we're a load behind Liverpool, but that doesn't really matter to me. Because what a game that was. The stakes were so high because if Man City had won, they would have equaled our Premier League titles and equaled our Champions League titles in the same season. They would be, by all right, as big a club as Chelsea if they had done that uh, last night. But, I mean, just what a performance. From start to finish, it was it was unbelievable from Chelsea. Uh, from the minute, I, always, I thought we were going to win, I'm going to be honest. I was confident. But coming in as the underdogs in the eyes of most people, just completely blowing them out of the water from minute one, it was fantastic to see. Every single player was absolutely immense. I mean, you just think, I'm going to go through every, the whole performance, every single individual player, give the praise, give it to Thomas Tuchel. But uh, first, of, to get it out of the way, it's obviously it's just me in this podcast because uh, no one wants to uh, do a podcast with me when I'm uh, just gloating about winning a Champions League. But uh, yeah, the first thing first, the first thing I want to talk about is Pep Guardiola and why part of why Chelsea won the Champions League is because of how poor his tactics were and how poor that City team was last night. I mean... 1-0 I thought was fairly flattering to City, in fairness. They had one they had one or two chances. Obviously the Maris uh, one at the end was not too far away at all. I mean, got everyone completely off guard, but that was only really a half chance. It would have been a fantastic goal if it had gone in. But uh, they had, I think, two main chances, but I'll talk to them on the individual part. Uh, they just offered nothing. And the main two... Di- tactical decisions that everyone's talking about is firstly playing Raheem Sterling who has had in the eyes of most an absolutely wretched season despite how good City have been Raheem Sterling has come in for unbelievable amounts of criticism throughout Um, I mean I don't think he's been as bad as everyone says but he certainly hasn't been great and last night he offered absolutely nothing to me Reese James his opposite man and also Aspilicueta, the pair of them, had him well marshaled the entire game. Um, didn't really offer much. And you look at the players on the bench, maybe it could have been a different one had they played with a recognised striker or something. Maybe moved Foden a little bit, for or Bernardo Silva or Foden or someone a little bit uh, further forward. They, obviously, the midfield was so attacking. I think it was De Bruyne... Gundogan and uh, Bernardo Silva as the that was it, or uh, I can't I can't even remember Mares, 
Hey, Ford was out and wide. I know the whole team was attacking. I know the players. I just can't remember what position exactly they were playing in. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a bizarre decision to me to have, obviously, Sterling playing in that front three, which I now that I believe it was uh, De Bruyne as the false nine and Maris out wide with a midfield three of Foden. Uh, with a midfield three of Foden. Bernardo Silva and Gundogan. I thought that was I thought that was so weird not playing with a recognised Holden midfielder. I mean I know while Chelsea don't play with a cam it just it doesn't make any sense to me. When you have two of the quality of uh, Fernandinho and you know how important that position is when two when City are trying to play like they do play, controlling the game, having that defensive solidity to allow you know, midfielders stuck in all that all that stuff goes around. Literally, I can't think of any good team that has ever played without a holding midfielder. It's one of the most important positions on the pitch, and it's what they play with the whole season. Um, obviously, really, I think I've spoken about it before, but um, with the three four three is probably the hardest formation structurally to break down. So maybe he thought the extra midfielder in there maybe overload it sort of with attacking talent but you know can't they he counts as two players uh, I mean it was now it was never a tactic that I think anyone when they saw it whether it be on Twitter whether it be Thomas Tuckle no one saw that as a good tactical decision that would lead to Man City winning the Champions League and uh yeah Obviously, I'm glad he made it because it was ridiculous. But if you're a City fan, obviously, this is the first Champions League that you've ever been to. And uh, there'll be reason to be pissed off with how the way how they set up in this game. But then we need to move on to the Chelsea team and go through every individual player. First things first, I need to talk about N'Golo Kante. This man is... Uh, to me as a Chelsea fan he might be he, could he be my what, top three favourite Chelsea player that I've ever seen play I'd probably I probably I'd say put Drogba's number one and then the second one I would be tempted to put Frank Lampard there but N'Golo Kante and what this man has contributed to the club over his over since he arrived from Leicester in 2016 He's been at the club five years, one Premier League title, one FA Cup, one Champions League. But when he was he was almost written off over the last few years, stupidly. I mean, we're talking ridiculous decisions, trying to turn him into this attacking player like under Sarri. I know the man is a good dribbler and he's a good passer, but he's... The man, his energy, it was all, it was wasted. It was ridiculous. And people, you know, starting to write him off. Last year under Lampard, he didn't have his greatest season. But I, I've always stuck by him. I, there was a top 100 players ranking I did ages ago. Um, What's it called? And uh, yeah, I think I put him at number nine or something. And now he is a Ballon d'Or contender again. When you're talking about what he's achieved over his entire career. Not only are we talking about a man who was the, dr- the 
Hendren, the driving force behind Leicester City, a team that was probably favoured to go down more than anything else. More than anything else. I know maybe them that isn't strictly true, but no one had them com- coming above 15th. To take that team, and, you know, because of him, largely, I know Vardy and other players, but largely because of him, they managed to win the Premier League, the greatest underdog story in the history of sports. He was the engine behind that. Then he comes to Chelsea. He wins player of the season. First person to ever win a Premier League's back-to-back years with separate clubs. And he was the best player. For me, he was the best player on both teams. He was so good for us that, that year. Playing in, the, in a similar system to what he's playing in now. Under Conte. Him and Matic. He was covering so much ground in the middle. It was so good to watch him every single week. You're talking about a man who's also won a champ- won the pinnacle of football, the World Cup. He was unbelievable for France over the entire course of that. You know, there's an argument to be made that if they played him in the Euros in 2016, they might have even won that, because he was such a he was such a uh, strange decision by Deschamps, and they were so much better with him in the side. And now to top that out with a Champions League, and the context to this. Can't be understated. How many people have won Champions League when literally the final four games, the second leg of the quarterfinal, both legs of the semi-final and the Champions League final, he's been man in the match. He's been the best player on the pitch. The best player on the pitch in every single game. I mean, he always rises to the occasion. He's brilliant every week. But in the biggest moments of all, he's able to step it up. N'Golo Kante... One of the best midfielders of all time. Maybe, I mean, if he wins the Euros, the sort of silverware the man will have accumulated. If he wins the Euros and he wins a Ballon d'Or, I think there can't be any argument. He will be the best. I know it's a big hypothetical, but I expect them to win the Euros. And I think if he is good for France in the Euros, he will win the Ballon d'Or. So, N'Golo Kante, what a player. Team of the Year selection as well. I mean, this man's career has been incredible. But then we have to... Next, we need to talk about the goal scorer. Classy Kai Havertz. I mean, to watch him round the goalkeeper as well. Not quite Drogba, not quite uh, Fernando Torres-esque, should I say. In the way that he did it against Barcelona. But it was so... It was cool, calm and collected. And I thought all game long, he was he was so good. He was a thorn in the side of City. I mean, even the chance that Pulisic should have scored, he was brilliant there. His driving runs, bringing up the pitch, pressing non-stop. This man has had a horrible first season. I mean, the circumstances, you're talking about a 21-year-old kid, 75 million, coming to a country he doesn't speak the language of, and, you know, being slaughtered in the media. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm innocent of this. I was... Really critical of Havertz, um, especially after that ever that Everton game. If you remember that at Goodison Park, I thought I just didn't think he was going to come good at all. He wasn't showing me anything, but since Thomas Tuchel has come in, his energy, everything, he's brought it up a level, and tonight, probably his best performance yet. Um, he scored the goal. He's repaid that fee in that one moment. And I mean, to be honest, with how young he is and how young the entire squad is, he could be winning many Champions Leagues at Chelsea. He's written into the history of Chelsea football, into the folklore 
is the only way I can describe it in his first season doing that because you know how often do team obviously if you're Real Madrid or Liverpool maybe you have a bunch of people who score goals in Champions League finals but it's unbelievable uh, that he's what's it called he's next to Frank Lampard Didier Drogba and Kai Havertz he's the other one those two probably two of our five best players that have ever played for the club he's in that elite company now and the fact that it was the only one of those goals that was actually a winning goal because obviously we lost against United we lost we drew we drew sorry in uh, ordinary time against uh, Bayern Munich uh, it was fantastic from Kai Havertz it's he's a player that I can't wait to see what he can do for Chelsea over the next few years and he's going to be he's been all, he's going to be with us for so long it's it's fantastic because uh, you know it's I don't I don't know I need to I think I need to move on to the next person and that's the the other person I thought there was three people in this game for Chelsea that could be considered man of the match and the third one is the one that maybe isn't as obvious but Ben Chilwell last night was fantastic. Uh, literally, when you think about those Leicester fans uh, a lot of the time uh, talking about how he could have won an FA Cup. And then to play like that in a Champions League final. The man is getting paid a lot of money. He's, I think he might be 24 years old now. He's like one of the highest paid players at the club. And it's all worth it. This man is, he is an elite left back. You look at the way Luke Shaw will probably start for England at the Euros. This, this summer. But I look at how the way he played. Versus... In the Europa League final versus how Ben Chilwell played in the Champions League final, he was so good defensively. The attacking talent on the display on display for that team. You think Mares, he may have been the outstanding player in the competition in the Champions League this year. Completely nullified the entire game. Ben Chilwell locked him up. He could go forward as well. All night long, I thought Ben Chilwell was so good, and you know. Wing backs in the wing backs in this system are so important, and the, even though Reese James, I'll give a lot of praise to later, but uh, Ben Chilwell for me that last night he was the standout of the pair. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. But I uh, also another person that I need to talk about is the captain lead. Well, I won't call him captain leader legend because that's John Terry's thing, but. <laughs> Our other Champions League winning captain, Cesar Aspilicueta. Uh, where do you talk, start with Cesar Aspilicueta's career at Chelsea? I, he was signed for £7 million in 2012. We just won the Champions League. Wasn't a big name. Hazard, of course, was our big uh, incoming last, that year. Drogba had left. It was sort of a new era that we were going on. We had Di Matteo. And then every single year since he's joined... Just consistent quality. And people talk about Juan Bissaka as this brilliant defender because he's great in one-on-one situations. Uh, Aspilicueta is that, but he's also a leader. He doesn't give the ball away in shoot positions. He can go forward. You think of that season with Morata, the, the way he just used to ping those crosses into the box for him to score. It, he's one of the most underrated players of an era like the man you just saw him last night you you have to think about that one moment the ball goes across the box you see Gundogan lurking at the back post 
Aspilicueta straight across. He went down injured. He's tough enough to stay on. Absolutely fantastic from Aspilicueta. The passion that he showed all game long. And you need to remember, this This guy was down and out pretty much under uh, Frank Lampard. He was playing a little bit, but Frank Lampard, it was pretty clear, he was going back for, and he was going to have Reese James as that right back. There was no space for Aspilicueta. It was going to be Chilwell and Reese James. And it still is Chilwell and Reese James for the future. But there was wingbacks now, which is so good because having that leader in the team, the man who bleeds blue himself, Cesar Aspilicueta. And there was one of the, my favourite moment of the night, more than goal anything else, just getting to see him lifted. And, you know, when there's, we're talking about a team like Chelsea, John Terry was our captain for so long. Gary Cahill was our captain, but, you know, he won. A, I think he won a Premier League one season. Because John Terry was barely playing, so he was kind of our Premier League winning captain that year. But he was only... And he was, wasn't really ever... He wasn't ever really considered Chelsea captain because John Terry was always at the club. And then Aspilicueta, I was worried following, following John Terry, how he would look in comparison. But, I mean, he's now a Champions League winning captain. He's got top four... Every season he's been our captain as well. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's great to see. Because this man has been so influential for Chelsea over these years. And he's finally, I think this will make him get the credit he deserves in the long run. But um, yeah, other than that, we need to talk. I think I'll talk about all three of the centre-backs. Thiago Silva. And it was devastating to see him go off, actually. But he's won his Champions League. I mean, his leg- his legacy, that was the sort of thing that kind of it was always, in terms of club football anyways, it was always just out of his reach. He got to the final last year as PSG captain and then they lost, sadly, in his last ever game for the club, similar to what happened to Aguero. And then he comes to Chelsea. Chelsea, obviously, at the start of this year, we're not talking about a team that was particularly favoured, I'd say. We were probably, I think I looked at it before, we were maybe 10th favourites or something. I think we were level on odds with Borussia Dortmund at the start of the season. I mean, a lot has changed in that COVID climate and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it, it just to have that, what's it called... To have that outsider feel, it felt like he would have had more of a chance of winning the Champions League if he'd stayed at PSG. And then he's come to, uh, he's come to Chelsea. The way he's conducted himself has been brilliant. He's really sort of embedded in the culture quite well, and the Chelsea fans love him. And uh, yeah, I mean, he has another season with us. Even if he left in the summer, it would be just fantastic. It wouldn't taint anything whatsoever because he'll always be known. For the he just the impact that he made in helping Chelsea even at that age, the impact he made in helping Chelsea win the Champions League. And I really hope next, next winter or, or yeah next winter in twenty twenty two, that if because I'm assuming he still will go to the World Cup with Fran with um, Brazil, and I hope that he can put in a great showing and hope maybe even win the tournament. It would be fantastic to see. Because, obviously, his career, even though he didn't play that night, every Brazil player on that uh, famous 7-1 game is always going to be linked back to that. But he's done it now. And, 
Now, there's another man we need to talk about, and it's Antonio Rudiger. If you're going to talk about down and out under Frank Lampard, Frank Lampard hated him. I never understood it one bit. The man is he's so athletic. He plays with such an aggression the entire game. You always see him getting into scraps. It's, it's uh, everything you'd want in your centre-back. He, he's playing on the wide left. You see when he goes to these ganders forward, his weird running technique... He's a player that I've always really liked and uh, when he was playing all last night, that that tackle, that tackle is one of, I can't think of too many better tackles in Champions League history. Phil Foden could have easily scored there. He That was probably their best chance the entire game and just completely sniffed out by Antonio Rudiger. And uh, yeah, I mean... His Chelsea career has been really interesting because he came in at a time where we... I think he came in when we just won the Premier League. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what I'm saying, I think. Uh, I know he, we just won the Premier League and uh, we'd had this, we had this back three. And then Conte, it was clear that he wasn't going to be his like first choice. He wanted to keep that David Luiz, Gary Cale, Aspilicueta. Thing. So he came in at an interesting time and then we got worse that season. His impact wasn't that big. Then next thing you know, Sarri comes in. He's one of our better players under Sarri, but since the we had so many, what's it called, bad games or like famously poor performances, especially defensively, really didn't get too much credit. Frank Lampard came in last year. Even though I thought he was good when he played, he was injured a lot. He went through up and down patches, as did every Chelsea defender last year. I mean, if you think Tomori, Zuma, Christensen and Rudiger, all at one stage were considered our best centre-back, plus one of the other three. Just the way we were so, like, uh, sort of up and down. And um, now, finally, this season, after being sort of written off, to come in and play the best football. He's probably been our best player, I would say, since Thomas Tuchel came in. I know everyone talks about Mason Mount, but he has genuinely been, and I said this about him before, maybe prematurely, but now I think it's kind of true that the best centre-backs in the league are Van Dijk, Ruben Diaz, and since Thomas Tuchel came in, obviously what Van Dijk hasn't been playing, but... Since Tom Stoker came in, Rudiger is that third best defender, even if he is playing in a back three. And also, I need to give a quick shout-out to Christensen. Played most of the game. He's a man, of all the Chelsea players, I think I've been hardest on Christensen. But he's another one that since Thomas Tuchel's came in, he's looked so much more confident, so much more assured. The flaws that you aren't getting... He still has flaws in his game. He's still quite weak. But they're not being exposed nearly as much. He's putting in great performances. Yeah, nothing bad to say about Christensen. And, uh, yeah, but before anything else, I need to talk about Edward Mendy. Edward Mendy. Like, ever, a lot of people know the story of Edward Mendy. About six years ago, he was effectively... His uh, partner was pregnant. He had just moved back in with his parents. And uh, after being released from his football club in the French whatever tier he was about to get a job at pennies or something or the French equivalent of pennies like literally 
destined for a life of folding folding t-shirts and you know cheap child labor clothes and uh yeah and to in a position where 6 years later he's making his fir- first season uh in the champions league his first ever season his debut season and not only is he keeping 10 clean sheets which is i think i believe is the most of any goalkeeper ever in a single champions league campaign he's but on top of that he's winning the champions league in his first ever season it's it's unbelievable to think about the impact of all the summer signings this season there's been highs and lows for all of them but the one that every single time i think his impact has been more than anyone else it's edward mendy and you see him afterwards how emotional he got it's just great to see it's it's fantastic i have to say edward mendy he deserves all the praise he's going to get his career you know it's it's mad to think like i know there's a lot of the football is such an unpredictable industry that there's a lot of players that have stories but few could you know you could say that their lives have changed as much i mean 6 years isn't even that long ago 6 years ago was what maybe the jose mourinho era yeah it's it's crazy it's absolutely mental and uh yeah uh, there's another, but now what's it called? I need to talk about. Uh, I have to talk about the academy boys. The two, the two that started in this game. Uh, well, Christensen played most of the game, but the two academy boys that started this game, Reese James and Mason Mount, two players that have been at this club for their entire lives. Their entire lives have been at Chelsea. Frank Lampard, <laughs> we'll move on to him actually when we start talking about these two because no other manager, I don't think, would have trusted a Wigan loney who finished 18th in the championship. I know he was probably the best right back in the league, but uh, he finished 18th in the championship, did Rhys James. And um, no other manager, I think, would have that trust to start playing him over Aspilicueta for big games last year um, and uh, yeah he really did develop him and for Mason Mount his whole career it's been since uh, since that Derby loan deal his career's taken off under Frank Lampard I know he's even upped it slightly uh, since Thomas Tuchel's came in but I do think people kind of underrate how good Mason Mount actually was when he was uh under Frank Lampard as well. They are, they are the engine of this team. Well, I know Kante is the engine of this team, but across the pitch, Mason Mount, in in the in terms of attacking-wise, the way he, he he drops deep, he like tackles, he works back, he presses, he does everything. If you look at his stats, every single thing in terms of pressures, tackles, it's all above average. He's doing everything, and he's doing it all so well. He has time and time again this season, whenever he scored, he doesn't score a lot of goals, Mason Mount, but they're always so timely. You think of that game against Fulham, saved Frank Lampard's job for admittedly a short period of time, but if we had drawn against football, against Fulham, in with an extra man, it would have been 
It would have been a disaster. I think it would have been horrible for confidence. He was the one who stepped up there at the end of last season. It was his free kick against Wolves that set us on course to qualify for the Champions League. You think even more so than that this season, in the Champions League, breaking the deadlock against Porto. Uh, he's, he's one of the, he's one of the players that I think Chelsea fans in the years to come, when we look back at this Champions League winning team, in the same way that we look back at the twenty twelve team. He's going to be the player that every... He's maybe most synonymous with this season. Because this season, he won our player of the season. He's been, by far and away, our best player. He's been our Drogba of 2021, in my opinion. Even if Averts is the one who scored the goal. But over the course of the season, he has been our Drogba. And, yeah, I couldn't be happy for him. Reese James, exactly the same thing. Ah, Reese James... I don't see how, bringing it back to the England squad, I don't see how Gareth Southgate, if he plays a back three, how he could not play Reese James. The man is, he's incredible. He, I think he is, this season he's definitely been better than Trent Alexander-Arnold. And even if Trent did come good at the end, he's better defensively, he's stronger, he's fitter, he's faster. All Trent has is better delivery. And it's not like Reese James' delivery is poor. You just think of those fizzing balls across the face of the box. Across the face of goal. I, I don't know what's wrong with my words today. But, uh, yeah, I can hardly speak. Um, it's incredible It's incredible to see. And uh, just uh, a few more we have to talk about. One more I have to talk about before we move on to the Germans. Or to move on to Timo Werner. Jorginho. You know, the... It's, the thing about Jorginho is I've always felt sorry for him at this time at Chelsea because from the moment everyone hated Sarri Ball well pretty much everyone hated Sarri Ball I know there were some deluded supporters of him but uh, Jorginho was he was sort of the symbol for Sarri Ball the way he played and in terms of us Chelsea fans a lot of the hatred that we had for the way we were playing under Sarri, losing 6-0 to Manchester City, losing 4-0 against Bournemouth, that got deflected directly on Jorginho. And he does make, a, he does make mistakes, but Jorginho is a good player. People, need to, people seriously need to realise that. Defensively, he puts, he puts in a lot of work defensively. Even though he isn't slow, he can cover ground. You know, his technique in tackling, it isn't as sublime as some of the stuff we saw Kante doing last night. The one where he comes in from behind and literally it looks like a foul in normal time, but the referee doesn't call it. And you just see how well it's timed that he can come from behind and get literally no man just focused on the ball. But uh, back to Jorginho, a good tackler. A great tackler, even. And his passing, he has a pitching wedge of a foot. He's a, he's a system player. And there's a reason that every manager has liked him so much since he's been at Chelsea. And it's because he's a good player. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad to see him win his Champions League as well. But, uh, yeah, moving on to the last, the last person who started this game. And that is uh, Timo Werner. 
How, where do you start with Timo Werner? I have to say, Timo Werner this season, there's no two ways about it. He's been disappointing. You're talking about a man who scored 28 goals in the Bundesliga, some fire in the Champions League. You know, the day he was signed for, he signed for Chelsea Football Club, I thought that was, I thought that, that was it. He was the fu- our future number nine. He was going to be the next great Chelsea striker. And it just hasn't been that so far. But the end, the way he plays, his his runs in behind are so intelligent. Even if that intelligence doesn't necessarily translate to him in front of goal, his runs in are so intelligent. And they were really important last night, I felt. People will always look at the missed chances because that is a huge problem. I can't escape that. He can have eight assists in the Premier League, which is a good return for a striker. He can he can do all this work, but he needs to start scoring more goals if he is going to be our number nine week in, week out in terms of the Premier League because that's what we need to compete in the Premier League next season. We need that guaranteed goal score every single week. But for me, the way he plays was really, really important last night, I have to say. That's, that was how we exposed... Uh, that's how we exposed Manchester City. Every single time, I felt... That's how the goal came. Mount straight through the middle. Brilliant. Brilliant pass. It was a laser into the path of Kai Havertz. And, you know... Timo Werner. The runs that he makes, I think, next year. I just hope he's in a good space mentally. His confidence is good. Because, you know... There is there is reason to think that he won't, you know, improve. But I, I really do believe that he has everything he needs to be a great striker. I just hope he can do it. There isn't many examples off the top of my head that I can think of of a big money striker that's come in, been terrible one year, and been great the next. But Timo Werner, I just hope it works out for him because. <laughs> not for having Tammy Abraham, the way Thomas Tuchel has treated him in favour of Werner, there's a lot resting on his shoulders. So I just hope he delivers. Tammy Abraham is as good a gun, unfortunately. I just saw him celebrating in that Champions League. In there was the one little bit of sad, sadness that crept into it when I saw Tammy Abraham around them lifting that trophy. You just knew he was there in his full kit, that this was going to be the end. This is going to be the last time we ever saw Tammy Abraham at Chelsea. I, he's, he's gone, in my, in my head anyways. Because there's no chance next year that Thomas Tuchel comes back and says, Tammy Abraham, I may not have played you at all since I've come in, but it's time for you to get a few starts. Um, I wish him the very best. So, uh, But speaking of that man, Thomas Tuchel... He's the last person I want to talk about. I know this podcast has been extremely long for a reaction to a match, but I just needed everything that's on my mind after that game. I just needed to speak about it. Thomas Tuchel brought, came into this club. I thought we were out of the top four race. I looked at Atletico Madrid, top of La Liga. Of course, they went on to win it. The best team in Spain in the next round of Champions League. I thought, no chance. I looked at the way some of our players were playing, how no one had scored any goals. Our defence was leaky as anything. No one's, literally, 
No one this season scored more than six goals for us in the Premier League. And under Frank Lampard, our defence was leaky as well. Um, it felt hopeless. I knew how good a manager he was. And I think in my reaction to Thomas Stuckel's appointment, I think I was a lot more maybe clear-headed than some other Chelsea fans. I don't want to come across as a prick, but... Uh, yeah, I thought the way we reacted was understandable, but also a little bit over the top when it was all about evict Roman Abramovich and all that stuff. But Thomas Tuchel, that first game against Wolves, it was a nil-all. You think, all right, there's so much work to be done here. Where we, you know, we could see us sliding more and more. And since then, even though our points total has been fantastic... I have just so much confidence. I love watching this team play so much. Though so how compact we are. I know it's not great football to watch for a neutral. But as the fan, just watching us outclass teams. Out, uh, his ten, his Thomas Tuchel tactics being so much better than Pep Guardiola's last night. The way, uh, he got it so right and Pep got it so wrong. And now, if you look at our season, okay, we lost the FA Cup final. We got to an FA Cup final. I'm not sure if that would have happened again under Lampard. Uh, we've finished in the top four. And we've won a Champions League. Thomas Tuchel, you know, I still feel like he's a manager who's only going to be at the club for about three years. Because that's just the way it rolls at Chelsea. But he could well down, he could very well go down as our greatest ever manager if he can continue this into next season. Because the work he's done... It's it's blown my mind so far, I have to say. But, uh, yeah, Chelsea outdo uh, Pep Guardiola tactically twice in the Champions League now. 2012 semi-final, Roberto Di Matteo, and 2021, Thomas uh, Tuchel. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. I don't, I'm assuming everyone who's listening here is a Chelsea fan, so uh, I'm sure you all absolutely loved last night. And uh, come on, you blues.